You're listening to the Spirit Hunters. Find out about us and how to join our now public and free Discord group and support the show at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Episode 39 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Sarah, Patrick, Hannah, and Joe. And the last time, Poof and Yuppie tried to keep Miram away from remembering Kamugi while they unknowingly looked for a dead Pito. Meanwhile, Akago and Palm tried to keep Kamugi hidden from the ants, running into Welfin, who then got a blast from the past. Uh, this week, we'll see what happens when you introduce uh, radioactivity to a bunch of creatures, and also a lot of heart, a lot of uh, heartfelt emotions, punches in the guts, whatever you have it. It's gonna be a lot of crying. <laughs> you so better get ready. Ninja Turtles, then? Yeah, mm, sure. Why not? <laughs> Teenage Mutant Corpse Turtles. Did any of you guys watch uh, the the newest one? I haven't. I heard good things about it, though. I want to see it, it. I liked it a good deal. I'm sad that it's not doing well, but uh, y'all should check it out. My brother said he li- he liked it, but he hated everyone that was around him when he saw it. I mean, the target audience is children, so Joy and I definitely saw it surrounded by children. No, no, no. He he. That was an issue. He said it was the fan, the like the you know the hardcore fans that you know the dude bros sort of people. The annoying ones, you know. You know what I'm Did someone about. bring up, like, you know, in the Eastman and Laird version? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the type of people he was dealing with because he was saying he loved it, but it's just like he went to a midnight release. And it was like all those type of people that are just like, you know, like they like dress up and like, you know, bleed green ooze or whatever. Okay, I don't think that last part's a thing. <laughs> but- uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a, was it a turn of phrase? Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, you're American, bleed red, white, and blue if you're. The Patriots, you bleed bad team colors, those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead he was just like, TGRI is actually from Daredevil, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But anyway, sorry about that tangent. No worries. Guys. Speaking of New York references, we're here to talk about episode 134. The world is you. The world is you. A.K.A. Spe- yeah. Hito Koto Ha Sono Hito. Which I honestly really wish I had looked at the kanji for these ones because, you know, I'm not used to seeing uh, hitokoto as the word for the world. Oh, this is the word. Sorry. Um, well, speaking of the again. world, let's do the world. One. Okay. What day are we recording this on? Um, it's the, wait, wait, don't tell me. It is the 50th anniversary of the US backed coup in Chile. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing that's legitimately the day. 50th anniversary. Happy anniversary, coup in Chile. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, look it up. Like, anyways, what year that, what day that is specifically, look it up. Anyways, uh, sorry about that, interrupting you, but the it's the, you want to do, do that? What's the name of the episode? Uh, it's actually The Word Is You. So I fucked that up, actually. So that would explain why I've never heard the world called Hitokoto, because <laughs> apparently it's not. Were you thinking about that game? The What was it? Uh, the World Ends With You? Yeah. <laughs> I could see that, but that's not what I was thinking of. Okay. I was thinking of the uh, 
it's a is it a Nas song or is it an AZ song? I think it's a Nas song. Uh, the world is yours. Do you guys know that song? Mm-mm. Great no, '90s hip hop. You guys should listen to it at some point. I mean, I know Nas. I actually saw him live. Really? And you know that song? It's a it's a great. Song. I'm gonna look this up. I'm, I feel like I'm going crazy, but I'll look it up after my part. Anyways, okay. uh, this was originally released in Japan on June 18th, 2014, and the equivalent manga chapters are 311. Never um, forget. Yep, 311. Never forget. Also, yeah, inside job. Uh, <laughs> 312 and 313 which were released in japan on august 8th 2011 oh by the way i found out um unfortunately that a former guest of this show who patrick and i interviewed many years ago is a uh other other anniversary that coincides with the u.s sponsored coup in chile uh truther truther oh Oh, no what you mean is that he's a truther for the chile thing right like no (laughs) no okay so He's a truther for the later one. Oh, okay. there's another coup in Chile? No, there's another famous event that occurs on the same date of the year, but has like a different decade anniversary. Yeah, I mean, but it happened 10 years, 10 years uh, before the date that this aired at, right? The manga chapters when they were really, oh, oh, the manga, yes. The sorry, manga I'm chapters did today. happen slightly... <laughs> Slightly before did happen slightly less than ten years before. Okay, so uh, I don't know what hmm. we're talking about anymore, but uh, we probably should hand it over to the synopsis. Hannah, did you want to tell us what happened this yes. episode? Yes, I guess it kind of all is relevant because whatever is happening, it in the episode we start off with a montage about why humans freaking suck. I don't know. You got famine. You got shots of war. Wealth disparity, corruption, etc. Who's in Ch- who's in Chile? You know. Yeah, that was definitely one. Honestly, that could have been influenced with one of the shots, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, a really important thing that the narrator talks about is the miniature rose or the poor man rose bomb that was the Metro. It basically wreaks havoc to the point that anyone who even survives the bomb in the aftermath is dying internally and is basically, um, they become a poison agent themselves that will infect others. So it's the, like, the cruelest weapon out there. And Shia Poof doesn't realize that he's one of the victims because he's coughing blood and he's freaking out and he does not know why. Um yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just thought it was a bit. Fu- I just thought it was so fucked up, though. It, yeah, one hundred percent. I was gonna say also. Uh, you know, we we all should have watched Oppenheimer originally. I was going to do some research <laughs> in the Manhattan Project and then didn't because the movie came out and I figured the audience would have more than enough contemporaneous knowledge of uh, the Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. We can talk about uh, talk about Chernobyl, the HBO miniseries. I like that. I wonder if that's based off of something. Maybe, maybe. Did you guys know that in 1993, there was a terrorist attack on the World Trade Center where someone tried to blow up a van? Unrelated to anything. Yeah, but anyways, uh, Ramsey Youssef, I think, did that. I or actually don't it? know who did that one. Are you serious? I actually... Let me double check. I'm pretty sure that's his... <laughs> not, not me. I'm not that... Okay, uh... Yeah, I don't know why we're talking about this, though. Anyways, Hannah, continue. <laughs> um, Let me so- double check. Yeah, it is Ramsey Youssef. Sorry, that's what his name was. Okay. 
I, I kept kidding Rami Youssef, and that was a completely different person. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, no worries. So, um, Miram, he, like, emits this he, the hugest wave of net of N, and basically with it, he manages to track Welfin, and boom, all of a sudden, he's in front of Welfin, and he asks Welfin, he sees, the king sees Yuppie's dead body, and asks Welfin, did you kill him? And then Welfin is freaking out and um, denies this, saying that he hit him, but the little guy was, like, just died and, like, coughed off blood and whatever. I'm, like, paraphrasing, but, He's yeah. like, dang, did I really kill him that hard? Man, I thought I was weak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, Shy Poop, he ends up trying to do literally the most to stop um, the king from interrogating Welfin, and he is, like, wanting Welfin to freaking die because he knows if Welfin says, like, reveals the truth then this whole his whole plan everything that he's worked so hard for is over and um he even like interrupts the king during his investigation and Maram is like pissed and like Sharapoof even tries to say you know like Wolven is part of my secret so you can't he you can't ask him anymore. He can't say shit, or else you're gonna find out what my secret is and stuff like that. Does he find out his, he's really Yukagi Kira, Yoshikage Kira? Yes, that's exactly what happens in this episode. <laughs> Ironically, he's the bomber. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Let's see. Um. Wolfen, he is like literally freaking out. He is going through. The most, like, he's going through it all in his mind, figuring out what he should say. And then I didn't write it down, but I know, like, Sarah, you mentioned he kind of goes through a, bas- a blast in a- his past, like, memories, right? Right. And he yes. um, kind of thinks about, and he even name drops, like, I always, not Gyro. <laughs> like, how do you? Uh, G- gyro. Gyro. Um, yeah. Speaking of JoJo. Yeah, Joe, if you want to, like, it seems like you want to, you had something to say. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I don't. I was I was just thinking, like, so it's it's gyro, and it's said that way as opposed to yiro, and I think we've talked a little <laughs> bit about this, but basically, like, it was really, a, I don't necessarily think there was a point to make his name G-Y-R-O instead of J-A-I-R-O, because, like, it's clearly phonetically gyro, so that just seems like a weird choice. Honestly, they should have just kept it gyro, J-A-I-R-O would have been... I would like that a little bit better. I, I'm kind of wondering if in Japan, Yiros are called gyros because like maybe when they were brought to Japan, English was using a different pronunciation of the Greek word. Um, but I don't have any evidence for that. So it just feels like it's saying that obfuscates the actual pronunciation and they should have localized differently. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling on that as well. Is that I think it's, I think they probably meant for it to be gyro, but they just didn't lo- they just localized it to gyro because that's the sound of it like, like it's kind of like like a lot of the names like i think there were some other weird ones like wasn't uh karapika's names really fucked up when they translated that over no that was togashi's own personal romanization and togashi's kind of notorious for being bad at doing romanization okay mm-hmm. okay yeah that's, uh, that was just my thinking maybe it was that one of those things yeah um so well Finn, he is so stressed out 
and he is so freaked out that he's gonna get he's gonna be killed and eaten by the king that all of a sudden he starts aging and balding he like by 100 years within a second i don't know it seems like all his hair is flying out and he looks like a raisin because he's so he's trying to figure out what were to say one word of what he should say in order to like somehow make it out alive and he does he whispers komugi and boom all of a sudden um you see marimam the king have like this realization and um you cue to this really beautifully animated scene where it's like a yellowy like field and it's like with flowers blowing in the air and you like um Miramam, Mer- the king and um Kamugi are playing Gungi and then you kind of see a shot of um Shy Poop crying <laughs> he failed cuz he failed um he kind of like acknowledges Shaipoof acknowledges, like, oh my god, this is how much the king cares about this freaking human. And, yeah, he um, kind of just, like, starts crying both his hands and his knees on the ground. Um, and then you see the king. Um, he actually thanks Wolfen for reminding him of someone important. And... Um, tells him to that he's free to live his own life basically and that um yeah he goes leaves to find kamugi i I think that my favorite part of that is the uh the fact that he when the king turns away he's like the only king i'll worship is is gyro i'll worship no other other king and he was like good you should go out and search for him i hope you i generally hope you find him and then Wolfen is sitting there shocked. Is like it's like he just walks away, and it's like okay, because I guess he was expecting him to murder him once he said that. But he's like, you know what? Now you're good. I get it. I feel that. I I also think like the level of serenity with which the queen uh, with which the king answers is like not just surprising from him, but is surprising from any like living creature. Like just the like yeah, you know, you should fulfill your dream and live a good life and I hope the best for you. Like just after you told a guy to like eat shit and die basically. <laughs> and like, you can tell he sincerely meant it. Yeah. I, I think Both at that point, I think at that point he just realizes what his fate was. And just the fact that, you know, it really doesn't matter. And he really, I guess maybe realizes the one thing that's really important to him at that point. And it's like, yeah, I, I guess I could do all this vengeance stuff, but it's like, I'm going to die anyways. I might as well go out the way I want to go out. I definitely, when you said might as well, my first thought was might as well kick it. <laughs> yeah, the Fresh first Prince class, you know, This NGL. ain't bad, drinking human blood out of a champagne glass. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the beginning of this arc. Exactly, exactly. It was really weird when, like, you know, they started in, um, was it NGL? And then they, like, rode a cab all the way to East Corto. Yeah, and, and he just, cut- like, and he, like, had that the, the, the basketball cap and the sunglasses and the... Was it the, a high a high top? Is that yeah? What they called? put they put a motor on the throne so it spins upside down. Yeah, and then for some reason it's like King, why are you doing that? It's like it's it, it makes sense to me. 
anyway. And don't call me king anymore. It's Prince. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, just going back to something I said last week, who was it who had used Borax? Was it Megan? Used what? Borax. It's a chemical. What's Borax? Uh, it's a Sasha Baron Cohen movie in which he says "my wife," but um, it's I also. That was the, I thought that was the movie with the that that big furry thing by Danny DeVito that saves the yeah the borax. He speaks for the ants. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but no, uh, for real, borax is a chemical that is used to make gak and is also highly poisonous to ants. Um, Interesting. The reason I bring it up is I brought it up last week to talk about a way that people used i forget if it's to kill ants or roaches i could let me i'll I'll fact check that no it's one of the two i know for a fact it's one of the two readers the listeners fact check me on this but a common way to kill one of these eusocial insects because i i you know at the beginning of the season we talked about the idea of eusocial insects aka insects that live in hives is to feed them borax mixed with a food source because this is not only poisonous to ants, but if done at a specific concentration, will be brought back to the hive where it will be fed to other ants, including uh, other ants or termites, whichever one it was, uh, and eventually fed to the queen and other ants and kill them all. Uh, it's, I don't think it's that bad to humans. The fact that it's in GAC makes me think it's probably not that bad unless we killed a bunch of kids in the 90s and I just don't remember. I mean, we did that already, but I mean, it was but not GAC related. Not GAC yeah. related. I mean, there's the Kids' Choice Awards had untold fatalities were just, <laughs> oh, that listen, are only now coming to light. Listen, I mean, there, there's only one way that Aston Kutcher could have gotten all that blood. All right, um, but what I was going to say is, uh, so <laughs> I, I, I was think, trying to find a better reference. Sorry about that. No worries. I think this is a. I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but it's an interesting parallel with the way the uh, poor man's rose works because like clearly the bigger metaphor slash allegory they're going for is the nuclear bomb because like it's obvious it it had a fucking, it didn't have a mushroom cloud. It had a rose cloud. So, but similar, you know, potato, potato stuff. Um, But this idea of the contagiousness of it is very interesting because like, not only is it a reflection on sort of like the eusociality of insects, but also it is. It was previously used on humans, so it is clearly a bomb that was designed to kill the people that the original victims were closest to, whether that be through profession or family, love, any other sort of bonds. And so, when they talked about it being the most, you know, evil, what is it? Uh, was it the most evil weapon of all time, or something like that? Oh, the ultimate evil. I think this is what they're referring to, and I think you've got to get into this idea of it. So um, after the after World War II, when you know the nuclear bombs went off in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not the nuclear scientists knew about radiation sickness. Long story short of it is they definitely did because this was known much earlier. Like Marie Curie died of like cancer and radiation sickness as well. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help that she was chilling out with those uh, radioactive things. Yeah, so Marie Curie, genius, but was obviously doing a bunch of stuff wrong given what we now know. About. But to be fair, though, I don't think she realized it would have killed her in that way. Oh, who could have possibly known? I mean, she was figuring out a lot of stuff about nuclear science at the time. I can tell you who didn't know. <laughs> who didn't know? Marie Curie. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> but no, but I, I guess the point is, is that is that yeah, I think 
for the most part, they knew that was possible. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the things. I don't know what the half life of the atomic bomb was. As I mean, as Hiroshima and Nagasaki are still actual, you know, functioning cities now. Yeah, no, and it's one of those things where it was. It basically it did not cause long term nuclear fallout just to be in the air and water. It was pretty short term, but it did kill a lot of people who would not have otherwise died from heat or concussion. And so there were a lot of people who died expressly from radiation. Yeah, no, and and I mean, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just really messed up. And I mean, it's kind of crazy that uh, I mean, even radi- the radiation where they're tested killed a bunch of people. Like with uh, if you know about um, oh, what's his name, the the duke, the duke, what's his name? Uh, I I don't know about this crap. Uh, he's the, the hell pilgrim, dude. Fuck, what's his name? I have n- no idea. <laughs> Anyways, they they filmed this movie in the fifties, and it was like they filmed it in Nevada with a bunch of radioactive uh, nuclear testing, and like most of the cast died like some cancer related illnesses. Oh shit! So not radiation sickness, but other radiation caused long term illnesses. Exactly. Which, uh, which yeah, they. But I think it was like right after it was right after that. But still, it's like they never really told anybody and really took it seriously until you know. Uh, pro- I don't know. I don't think radiation was really taken seriously until maybe the early '60s, late '70s. Yeah, I, I'd be. I bet it was the moment the Soviets got the bomb. They're like, "Well, we gotta like make this. We gotta be more honest about the dangers of this." Yeah. Um, I was gonna say the reason I bring this up though is because I think this is Togashi, you know, as a Japanese national and having grown up in that environment, kind of really talking about what the bomb how the bomb is seen there and how it's not just this, like, I don't think Americans are neutral about nuclear bombs. That's like ridiculous, but I don't think oftentimes Americans think badly enough of nuclear bombs and the effects they have, even of people who quote unquote survive. Yeah. Also the guy I was looking for is John Wayne. That's the person I was trying to, I forgot what his name was. Oh, did John Wayne die of like a, like exotic cancer? Uh, I forgot what cancer was, but it was a cancer, and they thought they were think it was linked to that event because he filmed the film there with a bunch of people. It's possible, yeah. If like the others all have like similar rates, it definitely increases the chance, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about no, that. I just no worries. What his name was? Um, a much less serious note, though. Um, can we talk about when Meroem was talking about the things he saw with his N? Did did it strike you guys? The list was sort of weird. Uh, I can't remember what exactly was he seeing. Oh, it was just like an open door, some train, uh, some tracks. Oh UB's yeah, that corpse. was that was kind of weird. It seemed kind of a. Uh, I mean, I can tell you exactly what it reminded me of, but I mean, it's going to be another JoJo reference. So. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was thinking more like a Shirley Wimplow. <laughs> well, Wimplow as well, but yeah, just like the, uh, just just like um, uh, what's uh, uh, Poochie and his like the baby thing. That's more what I was thinking. I, I know what you mean, but I'm definitely thinking of the rapper DaBaby. And I'm like, yeah, that time Pucci and DaBaby were hanging out. <laughs> Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a JoJo. Uh, uh, yeah, if there was a stand named DaBaby, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. But yeah, that was there was a bit weird. I mean, what you, would you guys think about that? Mm, I thought it was interesting. I think I may have been more focused on, I think, will happen in the next episode when it comes to like Miram and what he can sense though but I thought I mean with the realization 
I didn't realize that it would literally just be one single word that would put everything into motion. Um, but I feel it is very fitting, like just how it happens. It's like the the one ant that was ready to betray. He was like, whatever, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. And it's something I would never consider at any other point in my life, except right now when I think I'm about to die. And it literally changes um the game because i feel like if he hadn't had said it then who knows what would have happened i think the king would still be ignorant forever and Poop would still be playing like the long con and i mean as long as they could yeah 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 i i definitely agree with this i think it's basically Poof used master manipulation to set welfin up that if he had said anything in any Mm -hmm. other direction he would have been killed like there's no doubt in my mind and so basically any reasoning, any strategies, anything mm-hmm. would have gotten him killed. And he, all he could do, like this has been a consistent theme throughout the Chimera Ant arc um, of emotional development of the idea of just telling the truth. Right. And this isn't just a truth in terms of like the literal black and white truth. It is a truth in terms of like unlocking Meruem's heart. Like mm-hmm. he hits him right in the emotions and he basically unlocks the emotional truth of who Meruem is getting him to remember. I mean, it's going to be cheesy to say like his love, but like his Mm -hmm. tremendous love and devotion for the, this person in his weird, unique way, given how alien and like sort of imperious, imperious he is. But otherwise his tremendous love for this person was the only thing to get him to snap out of his like insatiable hunger. Yeah. It also is interesting too, because Walfin had earlier lied about, kamugi so it feels like a full circle moment absolutely um so speaking of devotion and uh love i also really liked sort of welfin's like freaking out about the idea of like you know quote unquote i remembered gyro and got caught up in the sentimentality of heroism while he's just like worried he's gonna fucking die after you know saying the like yeah fuck you gyro's my king not my president (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess at that point it's just he had nothing left to lose he realized well if the king is going to kill me he's going to kill me I might as well go out on my own terms and my own person and throw the idea of me being an ant back into the, his face sort of thing yeah and I think this episode the two episodes do a lot about divided loyalty which we'll obviously elaborate on more later I don't want to spoil some of the later stuff but just that's it's very interesting especially because Gyro is supposed to be sort of in a way, a parallel figure to the king. I just can't wait until they bring up Gyro again and they reveal who it actually is. If Togashi lives long enough, he will. Like, I don't think he's going to give up that thread. I think that's honestly, like, something really important. But it's just so clouded in the midst of time right now. Yikes. Well, I mean, is Hunter still... Did Hunter go on another hiatus again, or...? It's on another hiatus, but he did make a lot of progress recently, so... Okay. At this rate, we'll probably get another volume by the end of next year. Okay, so just in time for us to maybe catch up to it. Yeah, honestly, like I would really like us to get to current with the manga before we decide to go on our own hiatus or whatever else we end up doing slash redirecting the show, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd like to keep continuing as they release chapters to keep doing it. Like, uh, even if we're in the middle of something else, we just like stop and do the chapters. For sure, but we'll we'll talk more later. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I, overall though, I think I really liked this episode a lot. Um, I think it really 
really was a good seg- good segue, and I think this is to the part the point where my favorite part of the Chimera Anarch is this sort of the the last stand, I guess, the last couple episodes of the. Are, is it still Palace Invasion technically? I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, if we want to be real frank about the mechanics of that phrase, you could say the palace occupation. Yeah, I guess technically the occupation of the palaces. I I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't even think they could, they succeed though because they still have to. I mean, they there are so many losses on both sides. Well, actually, no. If you think about it, really, it's only like the majority of the side was gone, and Killua's side lost the most. If well, if you lost... consider the sides humanity and chimera ants, yes, the sides have great losses on both sides. Yeah, depends how you want to scope it out. But yeah, it's 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 like the power though on the human side is probably uh, they probably lost, had more significant losses than the ant side. But so far though, as of now, because to our knowledge, the only ones that are really dead are are Up and P- and Pito. There's still the king and Poof hey, left, man. and Chitu's dead. Uh. I almost called him Lion-O. What the fuck is his name? Haga slash... Lion-O. What the, what the fuck is his name? Whatever. They're dead. Uh, the fucking weird bondage centaur is dead. Uh, spider lady's dead. Yeah, spider lady's dead. Um, Which is ironic because she got killed by a spider. Yeah. Just just a lot of, a lot of shit happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's fair. But yeah, it's... But I, I guess the, the the getting back to it though, I guess I'm really I really love this part of the the the, the hunter art the chimera and arc. I think it's one of my favorite parts. And as as for all the stuff that we've been through for the beginning part, like watching it again for the third time, I think I I think it's worth it again if we just rewatch it and just to see this part alone. Yeah, I I want to talk more about this later, but I really like the anime as a way of visualizing some stuff from the manga rather than as my preferred way of ingesting the whole series. And I definitely think the end of the Chimera and Dark is like prime for that. It is crazy though how long we focused on this compared to the rest of Hunter. Oh my god, yeah. When we when we do our final episode on the season next time, uh, I'm going to try to summarize things that we said across the entire arc. And I'm just going to bring up things we said. I'm going to try to listen to some of the old episodes and just bring up predictions Sarah had and yeah. like ideas we had and shit and just see how it fits together. Because I'm we're, I'm definitely going to hear some stuff and then be like, wow, we definitely had a thesis there that we never followed up on and stuff like that. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, it's just crazy to me that's what, 38 episodes of just the, the, the Chimera Anarch. It's kind of insane. Yeah, it's ludicrous. But um, just rapper? to finish off... Oh, sorry. The rapper? Yeah, god damn it. But to finish off my thoughts on this episode, I I, I really liked two things that we haven't mentioned yet. One of which mm-hmm. is sort of like Poof's just like abject sorrow at like how much Meruem loves Komugi. Like we talked about him realizing it, but just the amount that it just obliterates him to realize like, oh, the game is over because the king doesn't care about taking over the world. He clearly only wants space for him and what he now cares about, which is like him and this woman. Yeah, and, and I wonder if if that really ruins their ambition because I, I I think their ambition sort of grew, grew at least poofs went from I don't know going from you know focusing on helping the king and doing what he wants to being the one that takes over the world. I guess I, I think no, I think I think. Poof was always for the same goal, which is 
the king as the peak of all life. Mm -hmm. And he does not support the king doing what the king actually wants to do as he's like come to change who he is. And you definitely see this in people too, of people who like really support someone until they start going against their wishes. Like you hear all sorts of codependent relationships form like that. But um, this is definitely a good example of it. Um, the, the last, yeah, the last thing I wanted to mention though was uh, I really liked the. I think it's the last line of this episode of like quote unquote Netero once believed that the king was wavering on the border between the world of human and ants, but now dot dot dot, and um. Yeah, let's save what we think about that line for the end of this episode, but I think that is an interesting line. So you want to jump to the manga? Sure. Um, So the first chapter of the the thing that shows these characters from the back view, um, I don't know who any of these people are. Oh, uh, that's the uh, Somas uh, from uh, Fruits Basket. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Soma. (laughs) Um, also notice how there's a guy in a Hunshin Tigers uh, baseball <laughs> uniform. I almost called it a baseball gi. Fucking shoot me. That's not a thing. <laughs> Honestly, the fact that you mentioned Fruits Basket, I think Toru could totally, if Toru was there, all this that happened with Miram would have you know, ended a lot earlier. I think he would have healed. She would have healed him a lot earlier. So, <laughs> I think I think Toru's kind of a Komugi figure. Oh yeah, Komugi, Komugi is Toru coded for sure. <laughs> Toru coded. Oh my god! But the most important part is: could Steven Universe stop stop uh, stop Marowam? No. The most important no. part is: what if you took Toru from Jackie Chan Adventures and substituted? him in for Toru from Fruits Basket. How does that series change? I feel like it could have worked. Toru, he was a sensitive soul. Oh, God. Uh, honestly, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I think episode, like, as soon as Miram was born, it just be, would be over. Toru would just, like, just kill the king right on the spot. God. Especially if he has the talismans, it's game over. Yo, for April Fools this year, we got to do a Jackie Chan Adventures. Podcast. Honestly, I really want. I really love Jackie Chan Adventures. I honestly want to do a rewatch of that show. How about this? We so only good. watch the Ask Jackie or the Hey Jackie from the <laughs> no. end of the episodes. Oh, We're just like, man. Hey Jackie, what is Chi? And then it's the most nonsensical thing you've ever heard in your fucking life. <laughs> oh God! Or we we can even, we can watch a, we can also watch Rush Hour too. One of those. Okay, sounds good. Actually, so continue no, with the Chan Adventures. Anyways, the manga. Um, so the one thing I'm hype about is I can actually finally talk about a theory I've been waiting for so long to talk about on air. Is it a game theory? Uh, yeah, technically. Okay. I mean, if you consider the phrasing of game, you could say that one of them has game for sure. Okay, keep going. But like, it's it's a character standing next to another character, and it's a theory that I've been really wanting to talk about, but I was holding in for so, so long. But Oh, mmm. There's two characters standing next to that character, and I feel you should not talk about this till Sarah's seen it. That's that's why I'm saying I'm that's why I'm saying that I'm excited to talk about that because once that character's introduced, I'm going to bring that theory up, and it's going to be also a fun discussion. Yeah, I I, I was going to say you know, 2003: A Night in Paris is about to get really relevant going on Aye. going on the rest of these episodes. Aye. But yeah. Um... Yeah, honestly, it, makes, it actually makes you wonder if it's closer to uh, closer to Yu Yu Hakusho in an aspect of that, too. 
call back to that maybe i'd have to I, I almost said I'd have to probe your mind to understand that I'm like, what the fuck phrase is that? But yeah, g- go on. Anyways, uh, so going on up, so the this part in the manga, the the last couple chapters of uh of the Chimera and arc is kind of mixed up, or mixed up in the manga where it's like it jumps from scene to scene, but in the anime it's more like streamlined, where stuff happens like straightforward, like the. As for example, that uh, that they show the Palm and uh, Ikago talking, uh, jumping to this and that, ju- or and like uh, Meruem talking on the phone, or Moral talking on the phone. There's a lot of jumping around on that, but I guess that's next that chapter. But may- maybe that you notice that as well, Tujo, where they, it's in more streamlined so I in the anime. Prefer the way they do it in the manga. Um and we'll talk about that more later because the real switch has to do with the next episode of anime. Gotcha. And I think we talked about this the last episode the uh the the examples of humans being discussed being the worst ever. I think it's a lot more gruesome in the uh manga than the anime. I definitely some, agree. There's some weird examples though like the hanging meat. I I think that's just I hope that's just cow meat, but I mean, I th- I think it's just meat, but I think it's supposed to emphasize like, hey, we've normalized the killing of other animals, even though we're supposedly beyond, you know, like the morality of like nature. Yeah, and then, and, and like I don't think Togashi is a vegetarian, but I do think he's saying like, hey, there is something inherently kind of weird about this that we just like neglect. No, I, I definitely see that. I definitely see that, and I think one of the weirdest changes I saw is that I don't know if you noticed this, but when it it it. Cut to the pe- the the people on the crosses hanging in the anime. There's only one guy. Yeah, that was a weird choice, and I think have that's a theory. What I think it is. I have a theory. Well, one one thing: the biblical crucifixion is not one guy either. That should be three guys. But I do think that they were going for the biblical. Cru- I'm, I'm serious. I or are you making an Ultraman joke? Why would I make an Ultraman joke? Ultraman gets crucified. <laughs> I'm not joking. Okay, sorry. I thought you were making a deep cut Ultraman <laughs> reference. Never mind. When have I ever, the only time I watched Ultraman was Ultraman Tiga on Foxbox, and I don't even think that counts. Okay, just, just look up Ultraman. Ultraman Crucifixion. I think that man has been crucified many times. Um, the guy That's who also serious. made Ultraman is Catholic, so it's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But I, speaking I, was, of... I was more a fan of Common Rider, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know what? He's Hindu, so it's... I don't think Common that's Rider? true. I just no, I just made that part up. Oh, uh, I was gonna um, say I thought he worshipped the Sega Saturn. No, did you ever watch Mask Rider, the English localized version of Common Rider? Because I watched it when I was a tiny child. That was the thing. Yeah, and like it's it's really fucking weird how they changed it. They like have basically a Gandalf like figure who's the uncle of like the Common Rider guy. It's really weird. Was this like a in the Power Rangers era? It was in the Power Rangers era, or it's more accurately in the Big Bad Beetleborgs era. <laughs> Dude, I love honestly. Big Bad Beetleborgs is the best is the best Sentai series ever. I do like that they went insane with the origin. It's just like, well, we could try to have some vague approximation of the origin of the Beetleborgs. I don't know. How about like Ronald McDonald Elvis as a ghost? Honestly, you mean Jay Leno as a ghost? Oh my god, yeah, it is just Jay Leno as a ghost. Honestly, um, honestly, that was probably my favorite. Like, in we're getting into Sentai stuff. I am sorry, I get worked up on that. But anyways, we'll talk about VR Troopers next episode. Yeah, but uh, long story short, I do think the crucifixion change may have been on purpose for a number of reasons. One of which is like, I don't know, maybe there's more of an audience for like the one 
person crucified thing simply going with Jesus. But again, not even accurate to the Bible. And two, I think the field of crucifixions, while it could be a generalized punishment in the like uh, in the Roman classical era, like actually more accurately, the imperial era, um, I think this is specifically in reference to something that happened in, I think, the either 1500s or 1600s, I think 1600s, where a bunch of Japanese Christians were crucified uh, as portrayed in the movie Silence. I need to watch that one. Um, or no? I think it's really overrated. Uh, me Harsh. and Joy and I watched it, and like it honestly felt like... It felt like it was two winks and a nod away from being like a um, James Franco Pineapple Express, Express style comedy where he's hanging out with like uh, fucking what's his name? Who who played Kylo Ren? Yeah, it's just like Kylo Ren and James Franco uh, going around Japan witnessing people getting crucified. Oh, OK. Just uh, watch it and you'll see what I mean. It feels like they're looking at the camera, but they're not. I was going to make a game. All right. But I guess before we go Evangelion reference, anyways, uh, the next, uh, the next manga note is I like this, this, a uh, poof covered in roses, like the roses on the skin. I love the design of that. It's really, really cool. cool I noticed you skip some of the things in the other picture. What? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we talk about the, there's one of two buildings that are really, really tall. They're not twins, but the anime goes out of its way to pretend that's in the same place as the other things it's depicting, when that is clearly not the case in the manga. <laughs> so it is clearly showing two towers next to each other in reference to like the most despicable and evil human actions, and then it just doesn't elaborate on it. Listen, Joe, I, I know you're hard on it, but I don't think Lord of the Rings The Two Towers was the worst Lord of the Rings movie. Okay. <laughs> I have come around so much on Return of the King. I used to hate it when I was a kid. It's the best one. Dude, I liked the I I really liked the Fellowship the most when I was a kid, and I think now I've gotten older. I like all three of them for very different reasons. Jeez, next you're going to be telling me Return of the Jedi is your favorite Jedi Star Wars now? It, it's not. I would never say that. Thank God. I fucking hate Return of the Jedi. Sorry, guys. Sorry if you like Wookies out there or Ewoks, but so no tell way. us about your uh, Pinterest pin board of uh, Poof in in <laughs> in like a fucking uh, rose shirt. Yeah, I don't honestly. I don't know what the Pinterest thing was. I was wa- looking on Viz, the official. Yeah, Viz is official. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, it has a post to Pinterest. I don't know if that's is that a. I mean, I could believe that that anime is pretty big on there, but I didn't know you could post official manga <laughs> panels to <laughs> Pinterest. Maybe this is like someone's uh, Pinterest board for like anxiety core. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is my mood board for cottage anxiety. Pretty girl anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of like what's girl dinner but for anxiety. And all I could come up with is girl sinner. (laughs) And then I'm like, ah, that's just a lot of history of religion anyways. Yikes. Uh, speaking of Evangelion, uh, there's also this really cool uh, panel afterwards. It's the... Was this your panel, panel Joe? I, the... I added this just because I thought it was really interesting how it shows a shitty version of the skull. Not shitty. A distorted version of the skull that was displayed <laughs> behind uh, Netero before his explosion. Like, 
kind of showing two things the idea of like hey Merom has a similar malice but also that like a distorted and fucked up and degrading version of like the nuclear explosion that killed Netero and damaged the king is now slowly working its way through him oh I actually do like that symbolism a lot and that's I guess I kind of feel like I picked up on that as well just like the 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 the, the radiation or ice poison I, I think it's technically radiation, right? Or I don't. They never elaborated. They they don't they don't elaborate it. I mean, so it doesn't matter. Just know that it is a contagious impurity that is killing people slowly. Fair. All right, my dog is now climbing behind my green screen. Uh, sorry about that. Um, and then speaking of of dog, uh, uh, it cuts now to Wolfen losing. I losing all his hair in the manga and he looks a lot more wrinkly than he does in the uh i like the shot a lot more in the manga than the anime at least this all the wrinkles and it's like the, the hair going i also like how his snout has become smaller too so he goes from being like wolf snouted to being like a pug Aww. yeah no i didn't even, so even notice that he's extra pathetic he's extra pathetic <laughs> okay for the record i like pugs but i feel we should not propagate them because their existence is pain just yeah. like welfin at this very moment yeah at this very moment <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was gonna make a reference there's there's an, a reference to something when you got really older i just can't remember what reference i wanted to make to it <laughs> are you I thinking guess... of m night Shyamalan's the beach that makes you old <laughs> oh yeah he i guess he went to the beach that makes him old i kind of want to do a photoshop now with that <laughs> please do it oh my god please do it <laughs> Just comes back, Wolf. It's it's like it's like it's like I got old. Wait, it just occurred to me. You cannot make that the last thumbnail for this part of the. This cannot be the thumbnail for this episode. Why? Because this is such a monumental and important episode. We cannot have it be Ballsack Wolfen. Ballsack Wolfen over Ben Shapiro's head. Yeah, saying I got old. Yeah, I'll just make an edit of it. Like, and I'll put a video of it on on twitter or whatever yeah if you could just do a deep fake of welfin's face onto ben shapiro that'd be great I, yeah i could do that or i mean it, it was still frames anyway so i'll just photoshop it okay that works that's probably a lot better than what i suggested yeah a little bit a little bit slightly more ethical i think but who need who who what don't know no, don't know what point i was making I'm there so Cut sad i'm related to that man yeah are you yeah We've talked about it. I'm distantly related to him by virtue of our names. Uh, you know, I still have you in the, in the phone as that. I probably should change you. I told you, in, in, in Yiddish, it's the same word, actually. It's yeah. just in English, they came in in two different ways. Maybe let's change the, the Yiddish wording of it. It's just like Joe, and then it's just a bunch of symbols I can't understand. Have fun. I, I shall. I'll do that later and put a screenshot. Anyways, with your number visible, of course, Joe, on the Twitters. So yeah, I'm really looking you. forward to you doing that. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I guess we go on to our favorite part, rate those deaths, and I don't know if anybody really died. I, I we have the flashback of Yuppie's death, but like we already knew about that. Right. Um, we already rated that, so I guess rip rip Welfin's hot bod. Hashtag RIP Dad Bod well, Daddy. He went from daddy to grandpa. I thought you were going to say he went from daddy to dad bod. Then I'm like, I don't think this is dad bod. I don't know what this is. It's it's grandpa He's bod. a raisin of sorts. Ra- raisin man. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So we don't got any deaths. No. Um, yeah. So uh, before we thank anyone else, let's just thank our patrons who help make the show possible. Thank you guys. And now word from our other compatriots and benefactors. And by that, I mean, probably just a break because we're not part of a network right now. Tommy, edit in. Uh, edit Tommy's in not song. editing this. Tommy can't help you now, Patrick. You're in my world. Okay. Well, can you, <laughs> uh, Joe, can you edit in Matso, the song Matso Man? We need to figure out which of us is editing this, and we will hash that out off air. Knives okay. at dawn. <laughs> All right, knife edge death match to edit the podcast or loser edits it. I don't know. All right, episode one thirty five. The day and this mo. Oh, sorry. The Ep- episode one thirty five. This day and this moment. Uh, Kenobi Tol Konosukan. Shun Shunkan. Is that it? So it's Konohi, like because heat is day, and Kono oh, Kono is this. Oh, Konohi Uh And Konoshunkan. Konoshunkan, gotcha. Konobi to Konoshunkan. No, it's Konohi, like H-I. Konohi to Konoshunkan. Cool. There we go. Took a little bit. Originally released in Japan on June 25th, 2014. Uh, I don't. That day sounds familiar. I don't know what relevance it has, but there's... Some important that probably happened that I, day. I actually can't tell if you're serious or not. I do not know I, June 25th. I <laughs> actually don't. It sounds familiar. There, something important happened June 25th. Oh, you know what happened? oh, I know what it is. It's this day and this moment. Okay, that's fair. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, this equivalent manga chapters are 314, 315. Sorry, 314 through 318, which released in Japan on September 5th, 2011. Ooh, four days short there. Well, Six because this short. is weekly Shonen Jump, one of them was one day after. Ah, oh, sweet. So September 10th uh, or 12th. Man, I am, my brain is broken today. Yep, 9-12. 9-12. You know, tomorrow. You probably could forget it. Anyways, uh, Hannah, what yeah. went on this episode? What's the cool stuff? What's the biz? Oh my god! Well, I think this episode should be renamed to "Damage of Emotions" because that's what I felt after I watched this. Um, Emotional turmoil. Yep, that's another good one. Turmoil of emotion. So, Uh, Tommy, who's not editing this episode, please uh, insert Uncle Roger saying emotional damage. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, for some reason, I was thinking cult of personality, but that works too. Th- those both work, yeah. Our, so, our Tommy, who art in heaven, yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, you see the king. He's in one of the underground houses in that neighborhood Bissoff made. Bissoff made, and he's standing in front of this closet. He calls out to Palm, who's hiding behind it. And he basically tells her he's not here to fight. He just wants to find Kamugi. Palm initially refuses, saying, like, how can, you know, you, the king, care so much about a human? And um, so what he does, he actually starts to kneel before her. And she's like, you can't do this. Oh, my God. I'm part Khmer aunt. You you did this. This, this is, is so, so uncouth. This is so, so cringe. Cringe. Except it's like, this is so cringe. Cry, cry, cry emoji. Exactly. It's, it's uh, like, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, especially since it's 
she like acknowledges like the, her chimera aunt side is like basically almost like physically rejecting this but because he lets go of his priority as you know the king she truly does realize like how much he cares about kumugi and that his word about not wanting to fight and that he wants all this to be over um he doesn't care he just wants to be with kumugi is like true it is kind of funny, though, how it's both sides come out. It's like the first side was her not wanting him to bow down in that respect. Mm-hmm. And the other side was that emotional – the emotional uh, leverage for the side where she – because she feels that same connection with Gon or at least did at one point. I don't know. Okay, basically, um, Palm decides to tell Maram where Kamugi is on the condition that she can watch – Maram and um, Kamugi's last moments. So, yeah, um, Maram obviously agrees. And then we cut to um, a dead Shia Poof um, on the ground outside. Very pathetic a, looking. Yeah, blood. Like, you know, coughed up a lot of blood. There's a puddle right near his face. And all the hypnotized humans are like, and like the rows and rows of them are like right beside him. And yeah, it's pretty dark, um, but you know what? Good for him. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I mean, he definitely didn't bring any joy to anybody's life. That's for mm-hmm. sure. We'll we'll definitely talk about him during Wraith's, those deaths. It's going to be fun, Don. Yeah, and then we cut to the king. He's like in a part where it's kind of like a warehouse, and then he <laughs> opens his crate. And Kumuki's there just sleeping, taking a little nap. So he wakes her up gently and is like, let's play. Let's play Gungi Kamugi. I just like, I just like you just like, just like going through, like, you know, you know, the Indiana Jones warehouse they have. Yeah. yeah he like goes to that, cracks the box. I was like, yo, let's play some. Imagine you're just like sitting there. You're just like in a box for like years and years. Someone cracks is like, yo, let's go play some Call of Duty. <laughs> to be fair, that's like I feel like that's the perspective of most cursed artifacts in horror movies. <laughs> um, but I was gonna say, like you know, I-, I wanted to tell you guys we actually have a new sponsor for the podcast. It's uh, Komugi Box. Um, it's a new subscription loot box service where you get one master games player sent to your house. Nice. I hope I get fatality. <laughs> I know what you mean, but I definitely thought you meant you hope someone shows up and rips your spine out. I mean. <laughs> I mean that would be a that would be a plus. I mean honestly that'd probably be better, but you know. <laughs> new free new free chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but will I get the brood witch? Yeah, I was <laughs> literally about to say that was the brood witch. God damn it. <laughs> free brain surgery. Uh, but yeah. Um yeah, I thought that was really funny. Just like sir just like I don't. I don't know why they thought just put it in a random box in a warehouse. Hopefully they cut some holes out for it or something like that. But you know, because that box yeah. didn't seem to have holes in it. I don't know the permeability of wooden boxes. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if I think there there have been you know movies and shows where people have stuff in the box and they're okay. What has holes or slots for air? They're I don't probably- know. They probably thought, oh, she's asleep. She probably breathes less, so this should be fine. <laughs> that's um, that's a perspective. I mean, they're both Khmer ants. What do they know about human biology? So she does, Palm probably doesn't remember. 
don't she know. forgets. She forgot. Like, I, think, I think this is honestly, yeah. And we don't know how long she's been in that crate for. It could have been honestly, it could have just been minutes, like literally like f- a five minute job. Oh, you know what? It probably hasn't been as long as we think. Yeah. Because, yeah, this whole arc has like been 45 minutes or something crazy. It's like yeah. ridiculous. Also, yeah. also, I forgot Palm, even when she was a human, was a Nen user. So her perspective is probably all sorts of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you have to for, you have to remember where she came from in the beginning with the whole knife necklace and oh yeah so she would have cut some holes for her yeah obviously yeah she would know to cut so mm-hmm. wow that sounded really messed up i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay all right um so we the aftermath the following morning um you see a bunch of hunter association air balloons flying enter into east Garteau, and then you kind of see like a bunch of Compilations of news reporting that um, the dictator of Garto is like dead, or and then that and that Bicef is missing, and this there's a lot of shaky stuff happening between NGL and East Garto. Immigration stuff happening. We don't go into detail, but it's precarious is the right word. Um, it's just a whole hot mess. Yes. And then we cut to a hospital uh, and you see Morel. He's like all injured and wearing like a hospital gown. He's talking on a payphone and he's talking to Beans um, from the Hunter Association. Um, basically says that they're waiting on Palm to confirm the king's death. And then um, Beans is like, oh, can you trust her though? You know, isn't she like a Khmer ant now and whatnot. So you know, it's it's kind of funny. I think this is one of my favorite anime cliches: is the oh, the mission's wrapped up and it's the aftermath. Like I, I don't know. Do you guys do you guys know what trope I'm talking about? Where it's like you know, like in Dragon Ball, where they're all in the hospital, they're all done after getting beat up by the Saiyans. It's like yeah, all mm-hmm. as well. It ends well. Oh, Dad's dead. We had to wish him back. Or I don't know. Like you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Am I? Yeah, I'm not, yeah. It's like a. After a new Hawkeye show, Quenma like talks to Yusuke, and he's like, "Oh, well, good job, Yusuke. Things could have gone better, but you did the job." Exactly. It's like <laughs> everyone's all beat up. It's like you know the the end of the movie sort of thing. I always like those scenes. I don't know why. Yeah, kind of shows that. Oh, I'm glad they're all they all made it out okay, right? So except for one dude. Yes. Kind of lost his kind of lost his head. He lost more than his head, man. He lost his whole body. Um, That's fair. But I was going to say, I, I think it's interesting that Beans is just being casually racist here. <laughs> Even um, though he's a frog. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what this man is. But also, uh, I guess his excuse would be like, I, I was grieving. Right. And the one thing I thought was funny is that uh, Beans' voice actor in the dub sounded really familiar. But I I couldn't place where, where it was from. Almost like a thief broke into my mind and stole the thought out of my brain. Oh, he's one of the girls from Cat's Eye? Exactly. God, I need to watch that again. Damn it, <laughs> I've never seen Cat's Eye. I kind of want to. They did a crossover movie with another character who you might be referring to. Yeah, uh, the one thief, uh, somebody Oh, Kaito Lupin. Kid. Huh? Kaito Kid? Yeah, Kaito 1412, totally. No, uh, of course, the the most famous thief, uh, Lupin the Third. Uh, the the bean is voice actually by Tony Oliver. I was like, who's... Why does the voice sound so famous? Like, oh, it's Lupin. Okay, that's why. So that was kind of a nice trip. I love Tony Oliver. Love hearing him, so that was kind of cool. 
Nice. Go um, watch Lupin the third part two. That dub is the best. Shouts <laughs> out. So speaking of being real quick, he is definitely watching a DVD recording of Netero, which who knows what this could be. I mean, I, are you sure it's not a Blu-ray? I'm, you know, let's say it's a VCD. Like Netero's <laughs> old. He didn't really know what he was doing with technology. It's he easier was to really make a VCD. He pop back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> really into HK movies without like the special features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, VCD it is. I, I'll agree. I'll agree on that. Yeah. Actually, let's be real. If Netero was a real person, dude was definitely into HK movies. Yeah, honestly, it would not surprise me if it's like, you know what, as a cool reference to that, I'm going to record my last, or whatever the thing is on the tape, on the VCD, <laughs> as that. Mm-hmm. Well, on the VCD, because I'm cool as fuck. He was definitely watching something, and he teared up, for sure. And then you kind of cut to... um the public and there's like a video of Netero. Is it the same? I'm not sure, but basically Netero is saying is saying to the public, "I'm retiring. I'm resigning." And I'm look now. There's I'm looking for an heir or someone's got to be the new head. So um, obviously, did he record it because of the whole Camera Ant thing, or was this always? A video that he had in stock for, you know, who knows what. We don't know. I feel it was for the Camara Ant thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it was very interesting when he told everyone that he left it all in one piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, honestly, though, I just think that he he, he really just got, got too... Uh, he just really blew up and got fired, and they had to replace him. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. But I do like how he basically like had like a bunch of contingency plan videos. It's just like, well, here's what we'll show the outside world. Here's what we'll actually tell people. And then like goes, well, spoilers. He has another video anyways. Yeah. And like I said, he finds it in one piece, you know, gotta go, gotta go. Sits up for one piece. He also points at Deku from the screen and tells him it's his turn now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he basically does the thing and teleports away. Institutional rotations with King Kai. Yep, mm-hmm. all canon. So, um, and then finally, we cut to some dude on a farm with a cute dog sipping, I think, tea. And you see, recognize that it's actually the dictator of East Garteau. I guess he's actually alive and is living his Stardew Valley cottage core life now. So. I mean, who wouldn't? Really? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> He's a dictator. I actually, <laughs> I actually really liked his poem. Yeah. Um, well, they do mention he's been. They do mention he's been gone for a long time. Yeah. Which makes years. me wonder if he was like maybe not a complete piece of shit. Like maybe he had a revolution and then realized he was going to get deposed or something, and made a deal with like some other country to let him go. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was a good revolution, and then he's like, "Well, I can't fucking stop the counter revolution, so I'm gonna get the fuck out of here." It, it could but be. Like, it it also... leaves it open. It, it's the idea of abandoning world conquering temporal power for a simpler life, which is a clear, you know, parallel to Merwem. Yeah, sure. I think the thing that I I think might have happened is he pretty much like, when he was like in his thirties, like I'm getting kind of too old for this. Uh, I'm going to retire. Uh, Belzef, do you want to run the country? It's like, yeah, sure. Because I think he's still good friends with Belzef in a way. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Bezef might... Bezef, sorry. Be- so 
I wonder, like, we obviously don't have anything to really base this off of, but I do wonder if Bezef was one of the people who basically forced him out of the country and then he, like, basically made the deal. It's like, I don't know, you can fucking manage the estate of the fake uh, Minjol Ick while I'm gone because I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. But, like, there's a lot of different ways that could have played out. Yeah, I mean, he probably just wanted that because he wanted him as, like, a the power like a, a figurehead like because he probably was like oh well if he just steps down i take power i'm not going to have as much influence as the leader that's been running this country for that long if that makes sense so like yeah. a figurehead like the 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 idea is more powerful than the person that's running it like it's the idea that's running the country not the the person or the the appeal of it i guess if that makes sense mm-hmm. but doesn't matter anymore he's dead as fuck Um, what does matter though is that we cut back to the roof of the hospital and you see palm tearfully telling ikago that it's over and then we kind of get a zoom in to her memories which the the camera physically zooms into that uh blue pearl on her forehead and um we see Maram and Kamugi playing Gunki in a and um Maram uh tells her his name finally and um at first she's like oh my god king Maram and he's like don't call me king don't use honorifics if i beat you at Gunki you can't use honorifics anymore and she's like okay and he says, like, what are you going to do? What do you want if you win? And she's like, I want to play more, another match. I want to play more Gungi. And it warms the heart. But. And he's, he's like, he's like, go figure. Yeah. And so as they're playing, um, I'm going to just kind of summarize it. We can go into the details of like what it means. But um, at one point she starts crying and she's saying stuff like i don't know what i did to deserve to be this happy and everything and um she doesn't feel like it's real and um then he uh she manages to win and um she uh uh-huh i was gonna say real quick before you say the next thing which i think is a slightly different thought i was gonna Mm -hmm. say i think this is like one of my favorite parts of like the two of their relationship yeah just i don't know have you ever been so happy that you were you felt almost incredulous or like that almost ashamed like unable to believe that you could be this happy that the world was this good yeah 100 yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like it it's a moment where you feel like maybe I don't deserve it and that or it's so surreal that it can't be happening like pinch me in my dreaming kind of situation and I think given all that Kamugi has gone through especially you know be having initially playing Gunki in order to you know get money to feed her family that clearly abused her that this is like a very surreal moment and everything for her. Yeah. Um, she um, obviously wins the game and she um, and so he tells her that he's actually dying 
and that, um, you know, if he, if she stays with him, then she may, you know, start get like infected or whatever. It's contagious and that she may die as well. And so she says that she wants to go with him. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, yeah. I mean, she after if he would have died, she really wouldn't have any anything much to live for. She didn't have the family. She mm-hmm. really played for her country, and the whole whole thing was, well, if I lose, I die. So it doesn't really matter. So it's like, you know, yeah. and not to mention that connection. It's like it's her world, pretty much. Yeah, and I think it's like even more than that. Not just because nothing else matters. I think she wants to just be with him, and you know, um, every. I think it'd be worth worthwhile for her to spend her last moments with him versus trying to get out and living else, like trying to yeah. leave in order to survive. And, yeah, her world's pretty much over at this point because the the country she knew is gone. The leader that she worshipped is dead. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's it's her a lot. Family might even be dead. We don't know. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so- if, if they captured her. And Mm -hmm. they, and yeah, they probably, yeah. She was already like a touring celebrity. And if like, you know, you were told like, oh, the king wants your daughter to go to the palace and be like, of course, Mm -hmm. no struggle necessary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So after this, we go into a really beautiful montage in the credits of like, basically all the scenes with Kumugi and Merum. And it's kind of like this floating bubbles. Like you see all these floating bubbles of scenes between them and like beautiful music. And you're just like crying at this point, but then you're going to cry even more because. Do you know what else is in that image? Um, there were so many. I guess, like, what? Which one? What was the image that? There's um, downward sorry. pulsating streams of Nen oh. that are definitely supposed to be the dragon dive. Wow. Oh dang! I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like a blurry version of the dragon dive. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This was this was tough to get through. Like, honestly, I was. I was. I wrote notes that this is probably the toughest ten minutes of anime that I've ever had to sit through. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting outside of a cafe in the financial district in downtown Manhattan, and I was just crying. Damn. Dang. Today? No. When uh, when I watched these episodes, like however many weeks ago, when we originally planned to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh damn. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I definitely cried and. What I really loved about it is that after the credits, it kind of transitions to black, but except for little um, little sparkles of light, which is like the rem- remnants of like Merum's N or Nen. And so then you kind of um, then see a still image of the two playing Gungi. And but you see here all this audio um, that the he calls out to Kamugi, like Kamugi, are you there? And she's like, "Yes, of course I am, the king." And um, she wins another match, and he tells her, "I realize now that I never won a match against you." And 
she's like, that's okay. Let's play another game. She encourages him to play yet another match. And they start. And between all this time, he's always constantly calling out to her, checking in on her, saying, Kamugi, are you there? And she's like... My thing is, is it because... Because I know it's a well-lit area. I wonder if it's because... It's because he's uh, he's worried that she died in that position or he's just going blind is what I'm trying to figure out. Oh, I think he's blind. And I think Hannah brought up the idea of him having still his Nen photon things out. But like those have slowly diminished to the point where he's completely blind. Yeah. Oh, I see. So basically he's just using his senses. What was left of his senses to play the rest of the game? Um, I think just his life force in general. And I think it could be, well... It could be the fact that, like, you know, it's a underground building that I'm sure has lost electricity. So the very little lighting could be left could be from his Nen or, you know. I see. Like so it's like barely visible. Cue. So he can't see Kamugi, but he can see the board sort yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Or they're just like feeling it out, you know. Oh, I thought I thought at this point he was doing what she was doing when she was you know, she's blind, blind, so she just dictates the moves. And because both of them are, both of them have such great memory in addition to, you know, genius level playing, they can just f- see the board metaphorically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. So they, they don't even need to look at it. It's just like... Uh, That's my feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that that would make sense. That that would make sense. I could believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, that, that's what I was always confused. Was like, what is He's right in front of her, but I started to realize, oh, I think he's like losing his sight. Like he's actually going blind. I As in he's fading away. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the case. Um, yeah, and like they're starting a new match, but then he, when it's his turn, he says that he's feeling tired and that he needs to rest for a short moment. And he um, asks if he can, if she can hold his hand as he sleeps and stay by his side. And she says, I've never left your side. And that we'll always be together. And then he thanks her. And then he asks one last time if he could say, if she could say his name. And she does. And she says, good night, Maram. And that she'll be joining him soon. Yikes. And then you, yeah. And then you cut to um, this beautiful, like, image all in white of her holding him and she's holding his hand and um she has like a a little spot (laughs) of blood on her mouth because she's been coughing blood Uh, you're just like that's it she's and that's the end of the scene and the fact that it was all still imagery and it was just focused on dialogue fucking kills me yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely hard i think uh yeah i think it just was a really honestly there's only a couple a couple uh parts and shows that actually made me tear up i think some of the big ones is uh caesar's death and jojo uh mm-hmm. abakio's death and jojo and this mm-hmm. one definitely was a big one for sure for me i'm trying to think what else i'm trying to think what other whether anime scenes made me tear up. There's not really a lot of them. Yeah, mine either. I, uh, First episode and, of Yu Hawk Show. Yes. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. No, that's that's a fair one. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Honestly, I'm, I might even tear up with the whole uh, 
Kurabara's like, oh, I did. I still wanted to fight you. This is bullshit. Was that the first episode? That's the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, that actually was a hard episode. That was a hard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how it ends. The episode ends. I'm kind of mad that they didn't like add maybe two or three more seconds of just. Maybe silence before it goes to the ending credits or yeah. the preview of the next episode. <laughs> because the whiplash was real. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fair thing is after after it's done, it's like it goes the dun 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 dun. It's like, what the fuck? Do, do you guys watch the next time sometimes? Because the last episode's next time was like ludicrous. It was. Just- yeah. Uh, they they like were just like uh, it was like uh, Merrim saying I want you to hear I want to hear you say my name one more time and then Gon's like what me oh, Jesus <laughs> it's like why would you do this <laughs> so uh, weird but also keeping in mind that they never met yeah <laughs> that is kind of weird but yeah I, th- I think another part that really hurt me a bit was uh was when it's like uh he's talking about his uh talking about his friends that helped helped her out and it's like. Oh yeah, after 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 you remind me uh, for thanking them when they stop by, and just like cuts to a scene of like them panning. It's like oh my god, mm-hmm. it's like you realize oh shit, he really has no more friends in this world because if you think about those, those were like his closest friends and compadres that literally killed themselves to save him, and now they're all dead. And it's like holy shit. It's and like, he clearly wasn't deep. grateful for them in the moment, but he is now that he's become more humble and knows what he cares about. Yeah. 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 And I think it's a, also it reflects on like Kamugi and just like her kindness that she says we'll be able you'll be we'll be able to say thank you and to them and that um I don't know especially like I don't know if she could sense Shy Poof's animosity towards her but um I think she would have been very Pollyanna about it, even if she, even if she was, if even if she could. Yeah, but it kind of just shows how like kind she is, and that um, she like care. She knows she she knows like how much like he honestly ended up caring about like um, the three of them. So, mm. but yeah, um, yeah. That's the end of the episode. I am. Um, Holy shit! How are how's the manga different? I'm uh, sure. Before we jump on that, I want to bring up one last thing that I, I that was like big for me, mm-hmm. but like I know it kind of it only occurred to me this time, like watching it. But um, the scene where she resurrects um, Kokoriko, uh, like her old play, as like a new strategy that's actually viable. Um, I think there's a couple levels there of like one, just like the fact that he w- she was able to surprise the king and that they were able to have this new interaction. But two, she had previously described Coco Rico as her child. Oh. And so the idea of the reconception or resurrection of her child, but in the fertile soil of the king's mind, like basically like this dialectic between the two of them, the interaction between the two of them is this new life that they've brought into the world by the fact that she was able to resurrect her old defeated play. He was able to come up with a counter strategy that should have beaten it. And that she came up with a new one that allowed it to live once more. And basically it's this continuing life of a dynamic of change, like to and fro. And so it's basically this idea of the two of them bringing something new into the world by their interaction. And I thought it was like, 
a very beautiful metaphor for like their love and who they were as people. And it's also very interesting because a lot of this saga revolves around the idea of cycles, endless cycles that are futile and that like, you know, will kill everyone involved. But the two of them at the end of everything were able to bring something new into the world that people had thought were dead and were able to find hope in something that was utterly defeated and despairing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like an incredibly beautiful statement about not only their relationship, but many of the themes of this saga. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, because like, I think the whole point of them with like playing Googie one last time wasn't because um, this is the last time we're going to play before we die. It was like um, the point of it was to say like that they were going to continue doing what they love and it was a never ending match and that um, in their minds despite circumstances. So the, what you notice is definitely a really beautiful point. Yeah, I think a long time ago, we talked about the idea of iron sharpening iron and that these two brought each other to heights they could not have possibly envisioned before and, like, just how beautiful that is. Like, even if, like, you know, let's say Killing Intent was definitely... Killing Intent and Incredible Naivety was originally there. Mm -hmm. um, it has blossomed into a relationship in and of itself. And I think that's an incredibly beautiful idea of like who you want to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, for sure. Okay, to all our listeners, if you need someone like Kamuki Amaram, that is a relationship you guys need to work to aim for because there's <laughs> as a peak. It is like just peak how they manage to like, um not just complete each other, but elevate each other. Like you don't want someone who just completes you. You want exactly the elevation to elevate you um, and whatnot. So, so what you're saying is that I should either look for a, a killer, uh killer ant being or a pro uh, chess player. Yep. And that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you can right. combine those two things with one of the members of the Wu-Tang clan because they're both the killer bees, bees on and attack. chess boxing. So yeah. Oh, master <laughs> chess boxing. Yeah. Who, so, who do you think I, I think... should do? The Rizza, the Jizza? <laughs> who do you um... think I should do? Yeah. If yeah. you're going to phrase it that way, you should definitely do the Jizza. Okay. Uh, do the Jizza. Okay. The Jizza. I don't know. Uh, uh, what about the what about old dirty bastard? He's dead. Oh, uh, Okay, may maybe Raekwon the chef. We'll, we'll hit them up later. Okay, yes. Anyways, manga differences. Alrighty. All right. Speaking of killer bees on attack, uh, there's a few different changes. Uh, so in the manga, it, it seemed like that she didn't let the king fully kneel down before he does versus in the, in the anime where it's shown that the king fully kneeled. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the think mm -hmm. so in the anime because i watched it he just about was about to touch the ground when she finally said stop so i don't think he ever fully kneeled i don't know it looked like he was it looked like the lake was fully extended to me but maybe it was a perspective thing i don't know i'll have to rewatch it i could have sworn he kneeled though but regardless the panel you've included is gorgeous like i <laughs> love the fact that marum is on a completely black sc black screen while Palm is like on what looks to be, I mean, it's not actually, but like looks to be fabric that's like distorted under her gaze. It's like just incredibly expressive. Yeah, definitely a really good scene. But yeah, it's uh, really, really good. 
Um, you said there was a scene skipped in the anime. Oh yeah. So uh, this is in the manga, and I don't know if this ever happens in the anime or not. But it definitely just. Oh wait, no, it does. It, it does. does. Yeah, it's I was gonna ne- say I it's in the next the episode, but I just want to note that it's here. But it's Bizef, Hina, and Welfin just in a car, being like, "Guess we're going to, <laughs> guess we're going to Meteor City to find <laughs> Gyro." Which may I remind you, I have read like later Hunter Hunter has never been referenced, <laughs> and so they're just going on a road trip to a place full of people who will just murder you dead. You know Sick. what it reminds me? Good luck. Honestly, I don't think it's a reference, but I do think it, it would be funny if it was. Uh, you ever play Resident Evil 2? Or at least know the ending of it? Uh, is it Resident Evil 1 or... T- oh, it's 2 where they just nuke it at the end, right? No, that's 3 where they nuke the city. Fuck, okay. So, But 2 at the end, it's it's Leon, Claire, and, and uh, Sherry like, leave the city. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like we have to go. It's like, it's like you're not, you can't mean, Chris, I have to find you. And then they just go in like a, it's like them off searching for Chris in Europe. So it kind of gives me that vibes of just the three of them just like vibing off. They they kind of look like the shittiest Samurai Shampoo crew. And by that, I mean there's two men and a woman. That's all I really mean. So really, Team 7, Samurai Shampoo. I need to, I need to rewatch that. I love Samurai Shampoo. Literally the best anime soundtrack, bar none. Okay, I will say that, yes. I don't really care for the series that much, generally. I think there are aspects of it that are great, but I think Cowboy Bebop's a way better show. R.I.P. New Jobbies. Yeah, God, that's still crazy. That. <sighs> Anyways. But yeah, uh, so the next panel is, uh, like I said, I think Joe iterated that the manga is very split up in different ways. And aspects, like, it's not in order, like the anime is, where it's like all these scenes at once, or all these scenes of the king at once. It's split up but it it makes sense in the manga because it's like chapter based yeah so i can see that it's interesting so the thing now that we now that it's happened in the anime we can talk about it but like the part where they cut back to meruem and komugi happened like was released weeks after the final defeat so it was almost like a flashback even though it was technically supposed to be happening while they were in the hospital just because like you know palm is just like doing her uh what how the how the fuck do you say like see, seeing seeing something at a distance because it's not television because technically television if you Telepathy. broke it down would be seeing things at a distance but what the fuck clairvoyance clairvoyance yeah. Yeah. she's clairvoyant yeah because television was already taken I guess um but yeah so that's it's it's interesting how they shuffled it around I personally like it more in the manga because it's this idea of like it makes it very clear how personal it was that Palm was the only person besides the two of them who was able to witness this and basically how it just broke her and like made her like incredibly tragically sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of which it's the next panel. <laughs> okay. Um, so this one is another Joe one. It's uh, image to send your baby girl and say us. Yeah. It's hashtag images to send to your baby girl and say us. And it's a picture of, <laughs> it's a picture of Ecologo sort of, cowering who's waiting to give palm food but clearly she doesn't want to eat right now because she's sad and looking very goth and she's just you know thinking about the king and kamugi it's like it's like why are you sad thinking about life thinking about the the prospects of our species oh. it's like the same yeah. uh, so what's what's this next one this one's another one by yujo it's a poem so this is not a manga note specifically, but it is the poem said, and I wanted to give it a reading because there's actually some notes regarding its production. Uh, okay. So I'm going to try to do my best delivery. But come, 
Let us raise a glass. Let us drink to this creature called man. Good and evil repeat in an endless cycle on the spiral of time where a lifetime is far too long for peace, yet far too short for war. That is why they yearn. That is why they foster. If only they knew that all one needs is the sun, the soil, and poetry. This was the poem read by Ming, uh, Mingjol Ik, uh, allegedly an excerpt from a work called This Creature Called Man, whose authorship is attributed to Masao Kikuchi. However, due to the, appear, uh, due to the apparent lack of records about the author or the source of the poem, there is the possibility that the Hunter Hunter mangaka himself, Yoshihiro Tagashi, is the true writer behind this. Hypothetically, real-life poet is actually just a pseudonym for him. Minmei Publishing, the company which supposedly published the book, uh, pu- published the poem, is also a fictional group from the Sakigake Otojuku uh, series that prints various books mostly relating to esoteric and fictional martial arts. Uh, so what you're Sakigake is to- Otojuku is a old delinquent anime from the 80s, and huh. they had a fake publisher in it who Togashi is probably reattributing for this poem that he wrote himself. So what you're saying is Ming Jul Ik is the equivalent of the Richard Bachman of Japan. I don't know whose pseudonym is Richard Bachman. Uh, Stephen King. It's a, it's a Stephen King. It, it basically, Stephen King wanted to write a bunch of non-horror books. And he wrote under the name Richard Bachman. So just the... Interesting. Um, I just realized... <clears throat> so the Dark Tower is like a crossover of a bunch of Stephen King things, right? Yeah, he's even in the Dark Tower. Spoilers. Why is it not called Stephen Universe? Anyways... Uh, is there a way I can disconnect Joe from this call? I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, the next one uh, is the next ones are I guess it's a grouping of them, just very beautiful panels of a uh, of a uh, of a pencil drawn Kamogi and Miruam. Well, I guess that doesn't make any sense. It just it's like pencil shading. Sorry, that doesn't make any sense either. You know what I mean? It's it's pencil only, just white back. God damn it. Uh, anyways, yeah, just a bunch of really, really beautiful drawn panels that are really sketch, sketch based. Is that the word I'm looking for? Or? I yeah, go with it. Fuck it. Okay, my she's doing is... she's doing Ghibli tears over here. <laughs> a lot of Ghibli tears. <laughs> but yeah, and then the final chapter is this really well drawn picture of Komogi holding the king. Ooh, I was going to say the panel before that. The I see now. I was meant to be here on this day. This is why I was born for this moment. I was definitely thinking like. I was born to meet you. <laughs> Very sweet. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, probably one of the best scenes in anime ever and honestly worth the entire arc. Like rough stuff. Like honestly, all the rough parts of it aside, like besides that, I still think it's the best arc in probably any anime. We're not done with it yet. We got one more episode, and I'd like us to air our thoughts there. And I'd all, I'm also going to request the listeners to write in as well, because I think we should have a session where we talk about one episode and one episode only, and then talk about the arc as a whole, because we've been on this journey, as we talked about, for a long time. So it will be nice to collect our thoughts on something that cannot be digested as a whole as you're going through it, because it's so long. Has it been like two years? It's been quite a long time. I think we looked it up at some point. Like, I think we might have referenced it last time, but look up uh, Smells Like Kid Nutrition because that was the first episode of this. Nutrition. Okay, I'm actually just looking up right now. Okay, yeah, keep well, going while he does that, I'm just going to announce what the next segment is. Um, 
actually, do you guys want to talk about the meanings of like how you feel about these episodes, or do you want to proceed to rate those deaths? Um, we could do rate those deaths and then talk about the episodes. Uh, October October third. We're getting close though. October third of what year? Oh shit! Yeah, we are getting close. Dangerously close. Jesus! Wow! Yeah, we were on this for a while. I still can't believe I. <laughs> uh, that Photoshop that still kills me. It's pretty good. <laughs> Um, yeah, so rate those deaths. We have Poof, the King, and Komugi. Um, let's start with Poof because this one's gonna be I won't say easy, but I will say that it, like we're not all gonna cry. Um for me, I would say like I think it's actually a very like I'm actually gonna say I think it's a good death because mm-hmm. um it kind of shows like the the fact that he died so anticlimactically, but it's also like, which I think is ironic for him because he's such a dramatic individual and that um, it kind of just shows how in a sense, just like, like in a sense, like pathetic it is that he died in the, in the middle of nowhere surrounded by, I guess a failed mission that he was wanting to succeed and that there was no one around him to witness his final moments or give a shit about him really. Yeah. And like, you know, I guess in a sense it is sad and like also it kind of shows, I think it also kind of shows the effects of the poison or the bomb because he was obviously through Merum was infected. So, um, that he, in a way, I'm sure he's glad he died due to the king, but also he died in a way that is terrible. So I would rate it a, a solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, um, I, did, I wasn't prepared to like really collect my thoughts on Poof. Um, my instinct is to give this an 8 out of 10, because as much as like I think he's like a shitbag character, I think he's a great character um, in terms of showing what devotion to an image of someone is like, especially a leader when they outgrow their vision and your devotion to it. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, you mentioned his ironic death. Like, so Yupi died weak. We, Yupi died weak and small when he had lived huge and like powerful. And Poof is dying without any witnesses with no interaction when he was the most dramatic and like he was the most dramatic guy who always had a plan. He's been killed by something he couldn't possibly have understood in the most savage way possible. And it's interesting because the king in a certain way mourns him, but at the same time doesn't. And I wonder how much of that is the king recognizing his own mortality because he it is clear he knows he's dying. Yeah. Like clear from jump that he knows he's dying. And so it's just interesting to look at this character because even the person in the world who probably mourns him most already gives him up for dead. Cause he's like, I basically, I think the King's calculation was like, I don't think I'm going to get much by telling, you know, poof. Hey, thanks man. Because he's going to still be distraught about my current course of action. So as much as I'd like to thank him, I'm going to keep walking. He's like, <laughs> so, Later, bro. Yeah. So it's just incredibly sad death for a guy who sucks, but uh, I'm going to give him an eight. Yeah, I think I'm honestly I think it's an eight or a nine for me just because 
maybe even a nine yeah maybe even a, the thing is that the symbolism like 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 hannah was pointing out was very very poignant like you know he's a most flamboyant like you know very out there like very showmanship and his death is him huddled on the ground with tears in his eyes mouth agasp with his king walked walked away no one really to mourn him and i think my favorite although i'll support symbolism is all his victims around him or just head in the clouds stupefied not, yeah stupefied not even caring about him like yeah. even realizing that he's even dead just mm-hmm. like the result of his the pain that he caused people it didn't even even register that he died it's like yeah whatever and it's like no one will remember him well, i mean yes besides the people that followed him but no one will remember him really at the end of the day like to to like the rest of the group he's just another villain they fought really yeah that will definitely I, i'm gonna move my rating to a low nine yeah, so I really liked it. I really liked the death. Uh, I think what he got got what he fucking deserved. Quoting uh, a Jared Leto, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, what did you th- what did you think, uh, Sarah? <laughs> uh, I think I would give it like a around like a let's go with eight point five because I did really enjoy. Um, I think the lead up to his death basically him going already through like a grief cycle realizing that once the king regained his memory he was not even like a footnote in the king's mind really uh, despite him building him up to be like his one and true purpose and losing that and dying in a way that was just so like Hannah said anticlimactic um, where he's not even being acknowledged by anyone, not his, not the king, not his victims, um, and even barely by, I guess, in a meta sense, the show itself, just showing his dead body instead of showing him, you know, actually dying, dying. Because we got to see Yuppie die, but we didn't see Poof really die. So we don't even have that moment as an audience with him. And I think that speaks in a narrative sense that literally any everything that Poof wanted and worked for to be acknowledged, to be recognized was all really for nothing. No, and I, I really, I didn't even think about that either. There's so much stuff that's in this one scene that, you know, it took us all to look at, like, you know, the, the people not caring about him, you know, the, uh, his death being, you know, off screen. So nobody sees it or really cares how he, how his last moments were, uh, you know, this, there's all this combinations, and that's what I like about it the most. Is, like about it, it's just the fact that you know, just the so much packed into like, was it like like a, a three seconds, five seconds of mm-hmm. video, yeah, or one frame for the manga. It's just insane. I'll give it a nine. Actually, when <laughs> I think about it, it Damn, is Patrick really selling people on this. It's I really just, good. Like, I mean, you're I right. It, I agree with you. Yeah, I really do enjoy the whole like emotional impact of it, but also like thinking on a meta perspective, what it can mean. Like, okay, this is why Tagashi decided to make these choices specifically for Poof, and what it has on like the impact of the audience ourselves, and just. It all comes for a circle. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've decided to combine the next two because I don't think their deaths can really be seen independently. Honestly, no. I was going to say the same thing. We should probably combine them. <sighs> I'm going to start with an opening gambit. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> a million. At yeah, ten. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing ten on like a logarithmic scale, so it's ten times as great as a nine. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just so. Yeah, like I don't know what could be said that we haven't said already about the scene. It's just really powerful, very emotional, very heart wrenching. Uh, honestly, it's like it's probably one of the most iconic anime death scenes, next to you know uh, Caesar's death in JoJo, um, Yamcha's death in Dragon Ball. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> uh, well, okay, how about this actual actual comparison point? The ending of Ashita no Jo. I will not elaborate further. Yeah, that one definitely. Uh, the the Goku's death against uh, with well, I guess all the deaths he had with okay, with Cell. you're really undermining your point here. Well, I mean, I mean, just the idea that Yusuke's it's an iconic, death. You, you know, I mean, like just the idea that uh, it's an iconic anime death scene is what I'm going for. Like, it's up there for at that level of those same deaths. Like, because we can always remember what happened, how we felt about it, what emotions mm-hmm. it brought. Like, you know, the like Goku. For example, killing him, uh, sacrifice himself to ki- get rid of Cell, that sort of stuff. Like we all know what our emotions went through, and that's sort of why I think it's so iconic, and why it's probably a million out of ten, and it's up there with the best of some of the best scenes in anime of all time. Yeah. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've. Sorry, go ahead. I was just yeah. about to say something, but that like probably invalidated what you were saying. So actually, I'd prefer to hear you. Um, for me, the reason why I like rate it so high, obviously, other than the emotional aspect, but I think it was just so tastefully done how, um, it was through dialogue and through, um, kind of just like the, um, you just felt like the bond between the two and the fact that she, at the end of the day, it's not like they fully, they didn't acknowledge that they were passing away, but except Kumugi was just said that she was going to join him soon. And that just like killed me because it's just like, oh my God, no. But at the same time, I was glad that they pretty much passed away, like at nearly at the same time. And that um, I never would have thought I wanted him to be comforted as he died. I, I did. I was like, my God, I'm glad she's there for him. And I'm glad he's there for her during these final moments. But the worst thing is, is that imagine the moments, the moments of Komogi being all alone in there just by herself after Marilyn passed away. And she just, you it know, was, it's, it was so- totally right next to each other. That's my, that's my canon thought. <laughs> I, my I, I honestly think that makes sense because like as a human being, so like she's just gonna be way way less resistant to it, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I guess I just hate the idea of thinking that, like you know, even if it's like just seconds of her just all alone, like you know, just dealing, like I guess trying to process what just happened, and just realizing that you know this is the end. Like even if it's a couple seconds, that's still minutes or hours compared to a human mind. So that's at least that's what kills me with it a little bit is that she had to realize that and live through that which really sucks mm-hmm. well sorry for making oh. sorry for being no, a I was debbie say, here's, here's a much lighter way of thinking of it and this is not something i came up with but it's something i think i saw on twitter where uh someone basically said like yeah she's blind and so the first time that she has any idea what the king looks like is holding him like this and so just imagine like you just like had this like tremendous romance with this guy and then all of a sudden you're like wait is this guy a ninja turtle <laughs> Actually, anyways, that character's back. Yeah, my yeah. brother just threw a fit right about now. 
So for me, I definitely would also give this like 10 out of 10, 10 times 10. Definitely love Hunter X, Hunter, Hunter times Hunter. Yes. So because I think for me, for their romance, I think that the way that it was set up, um, I thought it was really well done in terms of just baking it more on like a subtle level in terms of like this is why they're clicking like mentally this is how their feelings could develop more romantically in a sense and how it's played out in this final scene where it's not like explicitly said oh i love you or i'm in love with you but showing that their bond is still that strong that they bonded through gungi they had their last moments except for like when he's taking your ass through gungi and keeping that connection there like being able to connect and realize their similarities their differences and find that respect and care through a game that they both loved um i think leo was like on the side maybe distracted by the rest of like the arc and what was happening maybe was more focused on gone's um journey for part of the arc i thought like oh their addition was like sweet and nice but this really honed in like i think they are the emotional crux to this arc um when i thought it would be more on gom's part and what he was going through but now i see it's more like miram and what he went through and also kumugi herself uh, so i this really kind of changed the arc for me in a lot of ways We'll definitely talk more about that next time. We, we got to go pretty soon, but I was going to mm-hmm. say, this kind of goes back to something that was said in Yu Hakusho. When, um, I forget who says it of Yusuke, but when he comes back as a demon, they mentioned the idea, oh, it was Sensui who mentions uh, Yusuke having been demonized in a human's body and humanized in a demon's. And so the contrast between Gon and Meruem's arc throughout this will definitely be something we'll touch on next time. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. the Spirit Hunters. <laughs> Um, but does anyone else have anything more to say before we uh, end the episode? Saddest episode. It's a great episode. Beautifully done episode. Um, according to my um, husband, this episode, he was, can't believe he was crying over a fucking bug. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a fucking ant. So. <laughs> Man, ants really went really far with that. Yeah, no, I I definitely feel you. It's uh, it's definitely a great. Um, I was going to describe it as a Beauty and the Beast, but that's not exactly true. But yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it next week. Uh, Anyways, more of, I'm more would say Shape of Water, maybe. Predate Shape of Water, a little bit. It's the Shape of Gungi. <laughs> um, that should oh, that should be the name of the episode. <laughs> And we're actually going to take uh, the album art from The Shape of You and use that instead. It just make it really confusing. Um, Ed Sheeran Photoshop, baby. Yeah, Ed Sheeran as the as the uh, fishman from yeah. Okay, that's it. That's what we're doing. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or uh, or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, check us out at patreon.com slash spiritunderpod and join our public Discord where we'll be discussing the shit out of Hunter, you, and much more. Speaking of the Discord, if you want to support us another way, you can give a, uh, you can give us help by giving us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I, we actually do read them. Um, and maybe we should start reading them on air, you know, get us to just say terrible things. Um, but anyways, each review gets us service to tens or hundreds more people. 
Uh, finally, today's intro and outro theme were made by Michael Shingo Crawford and Maddie M, respectively. Check them both out on YouTube. Also, big Shuts shout out. out to me or Patrick, probably me. <laughs> uh, actually, a group effort. Shouts out to Megan and Tommy. Their wedding is coming up. No, I will not tell you where it is. No, you are not invited unless you're listening to this and you are invited, in which case I take back what I said. Except for you, Patrick. <laughs> you're, you're literally not invited. Patrick, you are not invited. Anyways, thanks to, thanks to their love, they are going to have a beautiful wedding and we're going to be in attendance. The rest of the crew can focus on being there and stuff. We'll film it, we'll film it as a podcast bonus episode. We are never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we all should take a photo at the wedding, though. Otherwise, let's not fucking do that. Yeah. Um, Anyways, see y'all on the other side.